Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip ice cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Welcome, everyone, to episode 97 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we're going to talk about David Fisdale being fired, how screwed the Clippers are without Blake Griffin, and we're going to give an update on the latest in the Jaleel Okafor saga. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well today, Brian, especially because of the Donald Trump news coming out <laughs> that, you know, your country might return to, oh, what's the word, sanity? Don't jinx it, Mort. We, we've oh, had, that's... Yeah. We've yeah, had no. too many close calls already. So. The Starlight Lounge presents Good An Mario. Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on what's going on there. We are recording this on Friday with the news that Michael Flynn may have turned on Trump and maybe uh, it seems like he reached a plea deal with Bob Mueller. So it's a fun time to be an American. We're about to pass a ridiculous tax cut that's going to cripple all but the top 1% of the country. Our president's about to get impeached. Good job, America. Way to go, 2017. Is that the easiest way to turn like against Donald Trump? I could just imagine <laughs> that would be like the easiest way to just go against somebody. It's not like, you know, Fredo turning on Michael or whatever because there was like love there. But right. for, for anyone turning on Trump, it's just like, huh. But oh, well. now he has the Russian mafia coming after him. <laughs> Michael Flynn's got to oh. go in hiding. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Witness protection oh. is oh. going to be very helpful for him. <laughs> At least he can watch NBA games in peace. <laughs> there we go. You know who can't watch NBA games in peace anymore is David Fisdale, who uh, unfortunately is no longer mm. a coach in the NBA. He was fired Monday by the Grizzlies in only his second season Things came to a head Sunday night. Uh, the Grizzlies were playing the Nets. The, the starters were just getting waxed, basically. So Fizdale pulled Mark Gasol, among the other starters, and did not put Gasol back into the game in the fourth quarter. 
even though the Nets, I believe, only won by 10 points, so it's not as though they couldn't come back. Uh, after the game, Gasol made very clear that he was not pleased with the decision. He said it somewhat diplomatically, but they asked him about, you know, do you have faith in the coaching staff moving forward? And he gave a very telling non-answer. So then less than 24 hours later, Fizdale was gone. Uh, mm. Apparently, things behind the scenes with them have not been great dating back to last year even. It, it sounds like it was kind of an open secret behind the scenes. The two did not like each other very much. Uh, but that said, sources have told multiple reporters that Gasol did not you know, deliver an ultimatum. Basically, he goes or I go. He didn't directly request Fizdale to be fired. He just kind of passively, aggressively made his his uh, stance very known in the open after Sunday. So, Mort, the first question is, did Fizdale deserve to be fired? First off, I'm going to give you a B- minus on the original transition you made there because <laughs> Fizdale can watch the NBA. He's a, he's a former head coach with a good paycheck. He can afford league pass, Brian, <laughs> obviously. He, he can afford it, just not in peace anymore. Now he has to watch That's... his former team get clobbered every night. So I guess he I'm actually... pretty sure he'll yeah he'll yeah. enjoy that one. <laughs> All right, so it's a tricky question because deserve and not deserve. Um, does any coach deserve to be fired? Yeah, is Fistil one of them? I, based on his ability to make uh, adjustments on the fly, no. But a coach also has to maintain a healthy player coach relationship and apparently he just could not see eye to eye with one of his main stars you know that happens i don't think anyone is necessarily at fault there, mm-hmm. sometimes you just meet people that you can't work with it happens it's it's very very common and normal and i think this kind of logic applies here i just think he and gasol did not see eye to eye it was a constraint on the team and the potential of the team and as such a decision was just made to go in a different way. I don't think the Grizzlies are looking at Fisdale going, oh, he was a bad coach for us. I don't think anyone is looking at that situation and saying that he was a bad coach or he deserved to get fired. I just think it was somehow a an agreed-upon decision where you looked at the whole picture and went, you know what, we, we just need to go in a different direction. Like, And that saying has lost its meaning because whenever anyone says that, you're thinking, oh, that's just a bullshit answer. But mm-hmm. I think in this case, it's actually legitimate. <laughs> Is JB Bickerstaff the other direction that the well, you're hoping the, to go into? No, yeah. no, that's 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 probably the stepping stone going yeah. into what will be ultimately the new direction. No, no, JB Bickerstaff. Like, I mean, he's just the tank commander at right. this point, right? And that's fine. And Fistale, I mean. You'll land on his feet. I can't imagine him not having an NBA job by next season. A head coaching job or just an assistant job somewhere? Oh no, no head head coaching job. Oh, wow. like no. I, I mean, look. Yeah. Just going over the the coach. I mean, you have a, like a Fred Hoiberg, mm-hmm. who is definitely not as as good as Fisdale is. I mean, Hoiberg's after timeouts plays have, have routinely been horrid, and he right now his team is having like. What the one of the worst free throw rates in league history? Yeah. So there are uh, considerable weaknesses within him. So 
just there we have one spot where yeah. Fistale wouldn't be the worst. So by that logic, he should definitely have an NBA job, head yeah. coaching job. I get you got Earl Watson in Phoenix, who does not seem right. like the long term answer. Jason Kidd, you know, there have been. I wouldn't say rumblings yet, but there's been some question over whether he's the right long-term fit there or if he's basically like the the Mark Jackson to right. the, the Bucks, basically. Like a guy who can get them to a certain point, but they need their Steve Kerr now. Maybe Fizdale's that guy. Um, and Earl Watson, to, just so we don't forget, was fired three games into the season. Jay Toronto. Oh, right, right, is, right. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess yeah, I guess there could be, uh, yeah, there there there'll be openings if nothing else. I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens throughout the next sixty plus games because if mm. another team, hell, I mean, we'll talk about this team in a little bit, but the Clippers, like, maybe Doc Rivers decides he doesn't want to rebuild again and he bounces after this year. Maybe the team should decide that they. Did not want they they do not want dog around because he's just not that good. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, the the question about whether he deserved to be fired, I, I think you're right. It is tricky because you know LeBron James, who worked with Fizdale in Miami, at when he got fired, <laughs> tweeted like, "It feels like my dude just got set up as a fall guy," mm-hmm. and to an extent, I agree. Like, I, I think what you're saying is right. Ultimately, like. Pretty much, you know, if not the number one job, one of the top jobs of a coach is to establish a rapport with your star players. Because if you lose <clears> the throat> faith throat> of your star players, you're done. It happened with LeBron, with David Blatt. You know, it almost happened with Spo Estra in Miami, but Spo and Pat Riley were just not having it. And <laughs> he and LeBron reached a detente for four years. But, you know, Blatt, like, again, another 50-plus win coach who just couldn't get LeBron to totally buy in, they're going to choose the player more often than not in that situation. Um, Yeah. That said, you know, Fizz wasn't the guy who maxed out Chandler Parsons. He wasn't the guy, you know, Conley is deserving of a max contract, but when you've got Max Parsons, Max Gasol, Max Conley it makes it really hard to round out the rest of your roster. The Grizzlies haven't hit on a good lottery pick in almost a decade. Like, they, they have a Clippers level of uh, just wasting picks. You know, like, they Wade Baldwin in 2016 was a mid-first-round pick. He's no longer on the team. Like, that's... You're, <laughs> you're, you're damning yourself to just <clears throat> mediocrity. If you can't get young talent around a big three that you can continue to develop and build around, because at that point, you know, (laughs) older guys don't want to stay on cheap deals forever. So you're either cycling through a bunch of guys on one-year deals, which is kind of what they had to do with Tyreek Evans, Ben McLemore, Mario Chalmers. Sometimes they hit. Evans is playing really well right now. Sometimes they don't hit. And the Grizzlies are just, you know, they're, they're not set up to be legitimate contenders, especially when, say, Mike Conley has Achilles soreness and gets knocked out for a couple weeks, which has already happened. When an oft-injured Chandler Parsons has knee soreness and gets shut down for a couple games, which is now happening. Like, they just don't have the requisite depth to survive that, which explains why they are currently riding a nine-game losing streak. 
So Mort, I want to read you their upcoming schedule just to give you a sense of how bad this can get before we go into this next question. But before you do that, I uh-huh. just want to come up with or just mention one thing. I'm, I'm listening to Golden Days by Jack McCallum right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And apparently in 2009 during the draft, they really were all in on Steph Curry. Oh, and no. Yeah, but Curry just did not want to go there, refused to work out, and all these things. And the, the the Grizzlies were apparently ready to draft him anyway. And this is where I just forget who actually vetoed the whole thing and said, just no, no, if he doesn't want to come here, it's just I'm not running that risk. So instead they took Hashim to beat. Like, could you imagine that franchise? You can, you, you can run Curry off as a two-guard, like a Conley, mm-hmm. Curry backcourt and then at that point in time you have Gasol you even had Zach Randolph a couple of years ago as well or even last year you had Zach Randolph mm-hmm. that the entire organizational structure would be different like that's that's really the damning date June yeah. 25th 2009 I mean look at the guys after to beat Harden yeah, yeah. Uh, Steph Curry DeMar DeRozan even with all his fault right even I mean, not even Jeff Teague, damn it. Yeah, or Drew. I mean, Drew Holiday. Or was, Drew. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Taj Gibson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. basically everyone would have been a major, major upgrade. Um, yeah. So it's 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 interesting just how this, this sucky draft history, play, how, how that's played a part in Memphis, just kind of going far but not far enough to really be a player you know what i mean yeah for sure i mean it goes to show like if you have one top five pick and you miss on that it can be a devastating setback like the sixers Mm -hmm. had that with evan turner in 2010 too like if you're going to rebuild through the draft you almost need the a multiple year um streak where you you know you get at least two or three top five top ten picks so you you know the draft isn't in perfect science no one's gonna say that they're gonna hit 100 percent on it so if you miss on one it's not the end of the world if you have multiple picks but if you miss on the number two pick and you you know you go back to being in the 20s from there on out like Mm -hmm. you're there goes your young talent like this is this was always the likely outcome one you know the grit and grind like the people in Memphis are so fiercely loyal to the grit and grind core that if they tried to break them up any earlier than they did, I think there would have been a riot on Beale Street. That said, now they're all in their 30s. You know, Zebo and Tony Allen are gone. Mm. Gasol's 32, Conley's 30, and he's been dealing with all sorts of lower body injuries. So again, I'm going to go through their schedule quickly before I ask you this next question. We're recording this on Friday. They have a home game against San Antonio tonight. They're at Cleveland on the second night of a back-to-back tomorrow. Home against Minnesota Monday, at the Knicks Wednesday. Home against Toronto next Friday. Back-to-back against OKC next Saturday. Then home against Miami, road against Washington. It starts to soften up a little bit after that. They they do Hawks, Celtics, uh, at Warriors, and then toward the end of the month, 
It's at Phoenix, Clippers, at Phoenix, at Lakers, and then <laughs> Warriors, which is a loss, and then the Kings. So end of the month gets a little softer, but like there is a non-zero chance that they are eight and 20 when they come out of this stretch. Like they might just be yeah. so far gone from the playoff race by mid-December. You know, there's no coming back. So right. <laughs> if that's the case, what do they do? Do they do they stick with the Conley Gasol Parsons trio? At this point, Parsons is not tradable unless you're attaching an asset with him. Like no one, yeah. no one is willingly taking that contract as a thing of value. Gasol is probably your highest value trade chip at the moment, just because of Conley's injuries and the fact he's signed to a big deal for longer. You know, Gasol's yeah. contract can expire in 2019, so. You're not necessarily bound him forever. He's also on the cheapest deal of the three, I believe. Is it time for them to at least consider shopping Gasol? Or, you know, Matt Moore of, of CBS Sports, um, he's, you know, he he's a Memphis guy. Like, he's in Denver, but mm. the Grizzlies are his team, and he's been having this debate on Twitter for the last couple of days and has kind of been saying, like, they're a small market team. Like, they're not going to get free agent interest. They're not... LeBron James is not going to be calling them this summer and wanting a meeting with them, especially after they did Fizdale dirty. But, you know, they're not going to get that caliber of player. So with that in mind, like, what do they do here? Well, there's only one way you can get that sort of player if you're not a free agent destination, and that's through the draft. But as history shows, even when being presented with very high draft picks, they seem to tapeed it up. <laughs> it's a good verb. <clears throat> yeah. So regarding Casal, he's going to be 33 in January. I, w- I want to say that they should go through a retooling process, but that's just... That's kicking the can down the road, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, even if you could, and I think they could, I do think they could get out of Chandler Parsons' contract. But then Matt Moore's point comes in. Like, why would you want to clear cap space? Right. Like, what are you clearing cap space for? That's not going to work. The only way that you... If you're a small market team, here's the formula. The way to get attractive is to at least establish your core with a couple of young guys who seem to be franchise-altering talents. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you can be a player because then you don't do the recruiting. The young stars do. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge take. And I even wrote, I wrote a piece a couple of years ago for FanRag as well saying that you have to use your cap space if you have like a, a bunch of young kids on your roster on rookie deals. Because it's just ridiculous to use up your cap space to by re-signing them. Like use it up and yeah. then pay the effing money that you get, the luxury tax or whatever – because if you get a star attached to like three or four young guys who can be major difference makers, well, hey, conference finals could be right around the corner. Right. And I, I, I still believe that's the smartest strategy. Mm-hmm. But I also get trading Gasol or, and considering trading Mike Conley. I mean, that's just that's removing the heart. That is... I think that would put them into a tailspin culture-wise. And I yeah. think that's what they, they fear. And I completely understand that fear. 
seeing a team again just bringing out the balls because they're the perfect example of misfits and an and organizational culture that's gone wrong mm-hmm. look at what happened after Thibodeau was fired there is no like if you, I ask you right now what do the Bulls build on right now you can say <laughs> insanity and you'd be right, right and like that's it like yeah. what do they build on what what are they known as yeah. what's their culture and but Memphis, you don't raise that question because you know damn well what that culture is. It is we are going to tough it out. Mm-hmm. We I, oh I might have you know my leg might have fallen off <laughs> literally, but I am going to get ten rebounds more because that's what I need to do. Yeah, that's the mentality, and that's what why fans are coming along, and that's why they have major support. Moving those two would be the clever thing to do from a long term perspective. Mm-hmm. But they would lose fan interest. They would lose money. It would just be a long, hard process. And they would lose that culture that they would then need to put a lot of energy in in reestablishing. So that's what you have to figure out. How do we move along while maintaining our culture? If that culture can be upheld without Gasol and without Conley... You move them for the best package you can get, but can that culture be upheld without those guys? Right. Like, who are their building blocks that are young? Like Dylan Brooks. Dil- yeah, Dylan. <laughs> they don't. Have oh, that's anyone. so bad. Yeah, like oh. that's that's. I mean, that goes back to how they've messed up the draft. I mean, I guess Deontay right. Davis, maybe. Like. I mean, Deontay, Kobe Simmons to some extent. Ivan Rapp, who's played like one minute. Yeah. Has he been injured? Do you know that? I haven't really read up on Rapp lately, though. Has he been injured? He has a little medical sign next to him on Spotrack that I'm looking at right now. So I'm assuming Uh, yes. Um, Yeah, because that just does not make sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's ultimately the question. Like, can they save this culture? Like... The grit and grind is Memphis's identity, as you said. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and Memphis as a city has embraced that mentality. Like Memphis wants to be a blue-collar, scrappy city. They fell in love with this Grizzlies team because of Tony Allen, Zebo, Conley, Gasol. Now two of those guys are gone. If you get rid of Gasol, you know, as you said, it. it <laughs> I really think Memphis fans would check out like i you know my college roommate is born and raised in memphis lives there now like he loves this grizzlies team he loves that core uh my wife is a first year uh resident at vanderbilt so we're about three hours from memphis one of her co-residents is born and raised in memphis comes here i had to break the news to her that (laughs) zach randolph got traded and she was devastated so monday she sees my wife in the hospital she's coming off of like a 16 hour shift and the first thing she says is that a she's dying and b she's sad about fizzdale like (laughs) memphis people are very loyal to their current core so yeah i think it's it's an easier decision for the clippers who we'll talk about in a minute i honestly don't no, I mean, it, I guess it just depends on what you can get for Gasol. If you can, you know, but I think before the season started, I want to say it was Chris Mannix of the Vertical who mentioned Boston as a possible Gasol landing spot. And the Grizzlies, I believe, owe a top seven 
protected first round pick in 2019 to Boston, which if you trade Gasol is now, you know, now, now you're looking like it might be in that area of mid lottery, even high lottery. Maybe they keep that pick anyway, but you know, if you can get Boston on the phone, you know, they're, they're not giving up Jason Tatum, but if you can get Jalen Brown plus, I don't know what else, you know, whatever it makes the the salaries work out. But if you could get a blue, a young blue chipper, you can get a pick back. Mm. That's at least worth considering. I wouldn't do it just to get Gasol off the books. But no, no. But you're also running the risk. Like if he leaves in free agency in 2019, yeah. well, I mean, you're looking at a multi-year rebuild anyway. And then at that point, people are going to ask, well, what the hell? Why didn't you trade him when you could? Why didn't you get something for him? I feel we had that exact conversation last week regarding the Clippers. Yeah. yeah. Like, exactly the same. It's a very similar spot. Right. So, so I guess our verdict for the Grizzlies is this is a really hard decision. And I I think we're... Are we, is it safe to say we're both open to at least hearing offers on Gasol. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm taking offers like for from a year ago. Yeah. Whenever a guy turns 30, you take offers. Yeah. You listen. Unless that dude is LeBron James or Michael Jordan, you listen. Right. But I mean you we're, yeah. we're not rushing to trade him given right. what he means to the franchise. I I will say this though. I I know that it doesn't matter <clears throat> as much in terms of clearing cap space. But I would probably still see if I could move Chandler Parsons. Mm-hmm. And and even if I had to add something to the mix. like mm-hmm. I'm not sure what, though, because when I look at the young players, we just talked right. about it. Like Even even if you offer like, the best youngster you have right now, who's Dylan Brooks, like, do yeah. you, as a team, do, is that enough? No. no, I mean, hell no. no. So you know what? My my idea just drops dead right now because they don't have anything to attach. That would have been a first-round pick, mm-hmm. but they're certainly not going to give up that now. What you could do <clears throat> is what Eric Pink has proposed with Luol Deng as well. You can give him a three-year extension with only like a very right. small fraction guaranteed and then stretch him and you can wait, put that over 11 years. So you're paying him probably 3.3 million. Yeah. So you're, well, I guess because Parsons, it'll be even more. So you're probably paying him four to five oh, million. Right. Yeah. For the next, that's true. You know, for the next 11 years. So as we laughed about a couple of weeks ago, like in 2027, the Grizzlies <laughs> fans are going to check the cap sheet and be like, who the hell is this Chandler Parsons? Why is he still getting 5 million from us? But yeah, you know, I forgot that, he signed a max. Yeah, That's true. sure did. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like, what are you going to use that cap space on? I, Man, I'm I look. I just want to say that I'm I, I'm white. I also have very bad knees, Brian. <laughs> I, I, I have I have aches all over. <laughs> if they want you for a max contract, or uh, right, you'll I can't contract. Five million a year—that seems fair. Yeah, I ca- I can't contribute thirty <laughs> minutes at night, Brian. I mean, I f- I fit the qualification. Come on, I'm old. I I think so. I hope Chris Chris Wallace of the Grizzlies is listening. 
I'm I'm just saying I'm right here. Just <laughs> and I, I I won't even need a max. Just a little less than a max. Yeah. Not taking a minimum because my ego would get bruised. Sure. Yeah. That's that's no. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. I was sitting here thinking, and I came up with an idea, and then I dropped it again because I forgot that Sacklevine, the Sacklevine is going to be a uh, free agent this summer, mm-hmm. a restricted free agent though. But I was thinking about some some sort of salary dump where Memphis gave up Parsons mm-hmm. and a and a twenty eighteen pick actually for Sacklevine and a bunch of Chicago's youngsters. They wouldn't be able to because they owe the 2019 pick to Boston. So the earliest they could trade is 2021 unless they owe any other picks, which I'm going to look up right now. Yeah, I thought they... No, they didn't. They didn't get that one from Miami. Uh, oh, no, you're yeah. right. They can't. Okay. Yeah. The, the early, they get, they've got a second rounder coming from Phoenix and from yeah. Charlotte or Miami. Nope. Oh, yeah, they've just, really handcuffed yeah, themselves just, then. Yeah. yeah. So the earliest they can trade is a protected or a, a you know the two years after the Boston pick. So okay. Yeah. Tw- I mean, twenty twenty one at the earliest. Uh, it could be twenty twenty three. Yep. The Stepien rule at play. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fine. Um, then my idea is definitely invalid. But <laughs> I'm, hey, I thought like a youngster like Zach Levine. I know he's not the grinding type, uh-huh. but if you could get a guy in there like him who could, you know, average twenty in his sleep, it might help prolong the whole Conley Gasol ideology that they have going on. Well, you just actually gave me an idea. So yeah. going down I'm gonna make sure this is cap legal before I say it, but going down the road of Soon to be restricted free agents. Yeah, who you got? Uh, let me let me make sure it's allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got him. We got him. Let's see, if, I mean, we can. Oh, it does work. What if you did? The Bucks are on the phone. Mm-hmm. They offered John Henson and Jabari Parker. Oh, that damn injury. Yeah. But Jabari... I'm intrigued. He's like, he is the type of, you know, the blue chipper who you ideally want. Yeah, I'm intrigued. But, so what do you what do you give up? What, what's the full trade? Give me the full trade. That, I mean, that alone works cap-wise. Yeah. If, you know, I guess you could throw in... Rashad Vaughn, since he's going to be gone at the end of the year anyway, doesn't. No, but but I, you're saying for Parsons and what exactly? No, I'm saying for Gasol. Oh, you're saying for Gasol? Okay, yeah. so it's a Gasol trade. Okay, I mm-hmm. thought it was like Parsons and future picks. Like oh, you no, wanted no. to get something. No, okay, no, no. because that's like kind of like Milwaukee. Would they even take on dead money at this point? I'm not sure they would because you know Giannis is hitting his stride and everything. Gasol, okay, Gasol for yeah on Milwaukee. I, yeah, okay. I, I move Jabari for that. I also move John Henson for that. I would feel a little bit concerned because if Jabari's injury turned out to be okay mm-hmm. and he's still racking up 20 points a night and seven or you know seven or eight rebounds and just being his crazy-ass self, 
I would look pretty bad in three years. Right. Maybe even two. Ah, this is a good one. Because, I mean, Gasol is going to be 33. He's 33 right around the corner. And if you go from 30, when you go from 33 to 34, you usually have a pretty big drop off. Like, that's, that's where your prime is really, you know, that's, it's dead at that point, and mm. you're regressing significantly. And Giannis is just too damn young. You know what? I would have said yes if Giannis had been 27. Interesting. So you, would, you wouldn't do it from Milwaukee's end? Mm. Do you think it's enough Not now. for Memphis? Yeah. 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 I think it is. Now, at, at this point in time, if they're open to everything, yeah, I think it is. And if they have the medical reports from Milwaukee on Jabari and they're encouraging, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Here's the thing, though. We don't know jack shit about right, Jabari's right. knee right now. Yeah. So... Yeah, that that definitely complicates matters. That that just mm-hmm. that's kind of the thought experiment I wanted to go for. Like, what what type of thing should Memphis be after? I think I, I mean I'm sure Memphis would want a pick thrown in there as well. Uh, I believe. Yep. Let me double check here. Milwaukee, I believe, owes a pick already. Yeah, they owe their first rounder. Oh, the super yeah, the super protected one they sent in the Bledsoe trade. So again, it like they could offer a 2020, a protected 2020 first round pick to Memphis in that deal. Most likely it wouldn't convey until 2022. It looks like, um, real. Yeah. Realistically, it probably wouldn't convey for four plus years, but that might be, you know, at this point, that might be how long Memphis needs to be looking ahead. Like, it, it, this could... This thing's going to go south at some point. So it's just a matter of figuring right. out when. Um, how how about this? <clears throat> this is this is a little bit... There's some nostalgia played into all this. Okay. I'll, I'll admit as much. So a deal with the Spurs involving uh, Mike Conley... And he shipped off for, let's see, Deontay Murray, obviously, for the point guard of the future thing. Mm-hmm. And Pau Gasol. So you at least, you play out the Gasol thing because they're old. Mm-hmm. Conley's still young enough to be a major difference maker for the Spurs specifically. Mm-hmm. So you say goodbye to to Mike in a way like, you know, go ahead, go get your 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 final prime years with a team that's going somewhere. And you look at Gasol and you go, you know what? We're going to get your brother here. He's older than dirt, but that doesn't matter because we're just going to ride you guys into the sunset together. Gasol bros for life. I don't know. Something like that. And then you have Deontay Murray, maybe even a couple more youngsters like Derek White, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then you have those guys waiting in line. If I'm the Grizzlies, I say no to that. I don't think that's yeah, a from a talent perspective, I get that. Yeah. I mean, I would too, but it just might be a a nice send off for Mike, like to put him in a position where he can just be absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't even know they they would have to include more. I think because got Mike's getting twenty eight point five this year. Pow's only getting sixteen. So balance. Mm. They I think they would have to do. 
Powell. Powell plus Patty, Patty Mills. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not doing that for Mike Conley. No. Yeah. It's. I mean. No, it, the, here's the thing. Where's who's who else is out there? Because the point guard market is. You know the. It's a point guard driven league. There. Yeah. The, the league is stocked with point guards. Like who is in a position to make a trade for a point guard earning that much money? Right. Who I, could? I, yeah. I don't win know if something. That exists. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Aside from the Bulls, unless they need the seventh point guard of the future, but I don't know why you're trading for a thirty-year-old no. Mike Conley when you're this exactly. early into a rebuild. So I yeah, no, I'm talking about playoff team specifically. Yeah, I don't like, think they're at least. I mean, I guess the Clippers maybe just because they're so ravaged by injury. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where we go next. Like, let's let's go right into the Clippers. Uh, Indi- Indiana though. Uh. Who would they trade? Yeah, I'm looking. It's yeah, yeah there isn't <laughs> there isn't someone there. Like Sabonis would have to be a big deal. TJ Leaf would have to be involved. Like that, but like you're yeah, right, Thad Young and Bogdanovich. Oh, I guess you'll you'll include Darren Collison. You could probably do Collison yeah. for or Thad Young and Collison plus a prospect. Yeah, TJ Leaf. But that's still Sabonis. crap, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you're right. Let's go. Let's go to the to the Clippers because this Memphis situation isn't resolving itself. It's no, just it sure yeah. isn't. Clippers. You know, we talked about them last episode, I believe, because Patrick mm-hmm. Beverly was out for the year. Milos Teodosic remains out with a plantar fascia injury. Gallinari's missed the last ten or so games with a glute strain. Now Blake Griffin on, I believe it was Monday night against the Lakers, Austin Rivers rolls up on his left knee, causes him to sprain his MCL. He's out for the next up to eight weeks. So they played Thursday night in their first game without him. The Jazz, who did not have Rudy Gobert, Joe Johnson, or Rodney Hood, beat the pants off of them, 126-107. to the Clippers are now eight and twelve. They they started the year four and zero. They yep. then proceeded to lose uh, eleven of their next twelve games. They won three games against Atlanta, Sacramento, and the Lakers. Then they lost against Utah. Their upcoming schedule at Dallas, home and home against Minnesota, home against Washington and Toronto. Four game road trip at Orlando, at Washington, at Miami, at San Antonio. So like much like the uh the Grizzlies, by the time Blake Griffin's back, they might be completely out of the playoff race. We talked last episode about you know, whether it was time for them to tank, should they, you know, be shopping Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. You came up with the really the what I thought was a really smart idea. Of flipping Blake Griffin and Paul George, you know, making mm. salaries balance however you can. I think that window has closed now that he's hurt. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, because I said it. So yeah, of right. It happened. Right. Yeah. Naturally. Uh, I mean, if if Griffin's back on the early end of his recovery timetable, and if OKC continues to struggle, especially in crunch time, maybe that's revisited closer to the trade deadline. But for now, we have to put the kibosh on Blake Griffin trade ideas. So let's talk DeAndre Jordan today because he mm-hmm. he he can opt out of his contract at the end of this year. He has I think a 24 
just over $24 million player option for 2018-19. They were having extension talks with him uh, earlier in the fall, but they did not reach an extension. He was eligible for about a, a starting salary next year, just north of $27 million if he signed an extension, uh, whatever, 120% of his salary this year. If he's a free agent next year, he will be eligible for the 10-year max, which, mm-hmm. assuming the salary cap of $101 million, is $35.4 million. So he could get a five-year max deal north of $200 million if he, you know, if he, if he finds a team willing to offer that to him. If yeah. you're the I, Clippers, uh-huh. are you? What are you doing with DeAndre? Are you silently shopping him? Are you having a fire sale, or are you silently? Lo- I'm yelling from the goddamn rooftops. I'm putting the <laughs> Batman signal up there, and I'm replacing it with dreadlocks. <laughs> okay, so you have no interest if you're the Clippers in re-signing him next summer. I would rather have another unnecessary year of Gar Foreman leading my team than I would have DeAndre Jordan on a five, four or five year max. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, you know, you would think if he was willing to sign for substantially less than the max, those extension talks probably would have gotten a little further than they did. Further mm-hmm. complicating matters, right now he doesn't have an agent. So he was representing himself in those extension negotiations. So he might not have a good sense of what's about to happen in free agency. Um, one team executive called it, quote, nuclear winter when he was speaking to Bobby Marks and Tim McMahon of ESPN earlier this summer. Basically, teams don't have cap space. So there's going to be a bunch of like top-tier guys. Mm-hmm. Those guys are all going to get, you know, LeBron's going to get a max wherever he wants it. Paul George is probably getting the max wherever he wants it. Chris Paul mm-hmm. is probably getting the max. He's probably staying in Houston, considering how well they're playing. But, you know, he's going to get a max. After that, cap space dries up quickly. So you're either going to a crappy team like Chicago, Atlanta, Phoenix, where you have no realistic path toward title contention. The right. Sixers are going to have cap space. So that's, you know, that's one big name free agent if they want it. Uh, or they can save their space for 2019, re-sign J.J. Redick and you know whoever to a one-year deal. Basically, like DeAndre Jordan might not be able to get a max deal that he's expecting. So maybe that's the Clippers' play. They just they can see that better than he can, and maybe they think like, yeah, all right, cool. You can we'll let you hit free agency. Come back to us when you realize that you're not getting 200 plus million. We still have yeah, the ability. Yeah, they're going to Nerlens him. Yeah, like we still have the ability to offer you an extra year and higher raises because we have your mm-hmm. bird rights. So mm-hmm. that I mean, there is that's a possibility for the Clippers. Yep. But the other um, David Aldridge of NBA.com reported they've already been shopping him around the league. Zach Lowe earlier this year said they listened to trade offers at the uh, right around the NBA draft. They clearly didn't make a move. So Aldridge floated four teams in particular that I think I want to go into briefly because I want to ask mm-hmm. you what where where's your like breaking point like which prospects or players or picks would you not trade for DeAndre Jordan so let's <laughs> yeah so let's start with Cleveland mm-hmm. Joe Varden of Cleveland.com says they would be willing to do 
Tristan Thompson for DeAndre. I don't think that's enough for the Clippers. If it is, if that's straight up enough for the Clippers, I, you, I do that. Yeah, yeah. Do you include the Brooklyn pick? No, no, God, no, no. <laughs> I mean, in, insert um, my, Michael Scott from the Office <laughs> Jeff here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I believe I saw this last night that Shumpert is out for a while right i think he's now yeah getting, eight weeks or something like yeah that? six to eight weeks so <clears throat> you know he always gets floated around as a trade piece yeah. as well i don't think not sure why yeah i don't think he's gonna have as much value as you know nope. as he once did so all right so that's the deal breaker the brooklyn pick if you're the clippers <laughs> would you do it if cleveland included its own pick so Tristan for DeAndre plus Cleveland's pick, which is going to be in the late first round. How much does Tristan have left on his deal? He had that horrible $80 million deal that he signed two summers ago, right? Yeah, so it looks like he has three years left, no player option. Okay. So he's it's, <sighs> it's 16.4 this year, about 17.5 next year, and then 18.5 in 2019-2020. No, no, I don't. You know what? I don't. I just, I let DeAndre walk unless I get a significant difference maker in return. I'm not that high on Tristan Thompson. I think he's drastically overrated, which a lot of people become when playing alongside LeBron James. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how the fit between him and Blake Griffin would be. That that would give me no. yeah. serious concern. So I, I mean, if if Tristan was like a legitimate shot blocker, right, that would be a thing. Mm-hmm. But he's not. Like he's a decent rim protector. He's a good defender overall, like positional defender. Yep. But you have that element right now of people fearing DeAndre as a shot blocker, even though he's he's got pretty low numbers this year. But disregard that for a second. Like you you think twice before you enter the lane with Tristan. No, you flip that shot up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so no on basically no on Cleveland. If you're not yeah. willing to trade the Nets pick, it's probably a non-starter. Right. Let's go to Washington. Uh-huh. Would you trade Kelly Oubre nope. in a package? Nope. What if you can get off of Ian Mahinmi's contract? Still no. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So I, I think you know if they if it was. Gortat and Kelly Oubre, I agree. I wouldn't do it. Just a lot, you know, part of the value in getting DeAndre is you get his bird rights. You can go over the cap to re-sign him. Washington is capped out forever now with Wall, Beal, and Porter all on max deals. So getting a guy like DeAndre, getting his bird rights, being being able to go over the cap to re-sign him, there's more value there than you know a a team with cap space so if it was Mahinmi and Ubre, i would have to at least consider it i agree gortat and Ubre for deandre i would not do i think uh i mean i really like Ubre. i'm gonna talk about him a little bit later mm-hmm. but that Mahinmi contract is horrendous it is but they need like a youngster who is actually turning a profit right now yeah, 
We saw we saw the slow start of the Otto Porter's career. We yeah. have no idea what Kelly Uber it can be. That's true. What if he is the second coming of Otto Porter, and this year is just a preview? Mm-hmm. What if he arrives next year? Yeah, I mean, shit. and if he's he's, a, he's arriving this he's, year, yeah, no, but like in a larger sense, yeah. Then he's the three. You slide Otto to the four. Welcome, mm-hmm. Big Four, Brian. Yeah, I'm not giving up that for DeAndre Jordan. It needs to be said though, I'm not a fan of DeAndre's game. Mm-hmm. I I just I don't believe in non-shooting bigs anymore. Yeah, you need to be able to stretch the court, and also I think he's been an a drastically overrated defensive player. Like when Doc started the whole defensive player of the year discussion, mm-hmm. and you had certain writers going in on it. No, <laughs> that was ridiculous from the day one. Yeah, that was atrocious. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to, well, I guess, to summarize, you would not do a deal if it involves Ubre at all. I would at least consider nope. it if it was for Mahinmi and Ubre. I would not do it if it was Gortat and Ubre. Let's go to Milwaukee. Yep. Malcolm Brogdon, would you include him in the DeAndre deal? Nope. Really? Yep. No, no matter what? Nope. Ooh, Oh yeah, I I mean the problem with Milwaukee is that it's tough to find a workable deal. I it start you would give up Henson just because he's got you know eleven point four million this year. DeAndre's going to replace him in the starting lineup. Brogdon gets you another. Brogdon just being on a small contract that doesn't help. So you need with you can't do it just those two guys for DeAndre. You need another six point six million. So you'd either have to do. Jabari, which I don't think you're doing. Uh-huh. Delhi, which maybe the Clippers would do just because they're so desperate for point guards right now. Or uh, Mirza Taledovic. But I don't know if that's moving the needle for the Clippers. No, I mean, the Clippers would decline a deal centered around Miasa and, and Teledovic. But like that's what I would give up. Yeah. I'm not giving up any big piece. I'm not even giving up Tony Snell. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, what's the what's the attraction here? You have Giannis. He's he's fantastic, and he's getting to the paint at will. I mean, despite not having a jump shot, he still can manufacture something. But if you get DeAndre in there, you just make life harder for Giannis. You mm-hmm. block that lane significantly more. Like, what's the benefit here? Just overall, before you mention the last team. How does DeAndre Jordan help you as an as a basketball team? I mean, he's an incredible rebounder even now. Yeah. You know, I he think is. he's number 2 in the league trailing only DeAndre Jordan in terms of rebounds. The concern He's trailing my... himself? Huh? He's trailing he's trailing himself? No, Andre Drummond. Oh, did I said yeah. Oh, Drummond? okay. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um the concern of mine with him is the shot blocking numbers. Right. Because he's gone down two years ago, he averaged 2.3. He had three seasons of above two. Last year, he was at 1.7. This mm-hmm. year, only 1.1. Yep. That's a concern. Like, if he's not protecting the rim, I don't give a damn if he's pulling down 14 rebounds a game because I have Giannis, I have Bledsoe, I have Middleton. All of those guys are good rebounders. I don't need a guy, you know, as you said, like, I don't need a guy 
clogging up my spacing, who can't shoot an open jumper outside of five feet, who is a liability at the free throw line. Like he's shooting a career high 60.4% this year, but he's taking 53 attempts like that. That does not feel like an Andre Drummond thing where he actually improved. It feels like <laughs> yeah. th- that's some small sample size. It's about to revert pretty quickly. Like he went, I think two of five from the line Thursday night against the jazz. It's mm. that's coming down. So additionally, He's at near 20,000 minutes. Or, well, okay, he broke 19,000 this year. Mm-hmm. But he's taking with the playoffs, over 20. Oh, that's true. But I was looking just at the regular Raiders. season. Yeah, yeah. He's taking exactly 3,800 shots. When you're getting paid that much money and you're playing that much on the floor, which is over 30 minutes a night, you need to be able to contribute in some capacity on both ends. Mm-hmm. Being just the setup guy, or not the setup, being the guy who's being set up, or being the garbage man, yeah, that has value off the bench. Like, I'm just not seeing what kind of benefit. It, it seems like we're all hating on offensive-minded big men. Like, you know, Greg Monroe, we, people crapped on him for I don't know how long. Al Jefferson, oh, he can't defend. He's coming off the bench because he can only score. Well, let's flip it around. Mm-hmm. Guys who can only defend, and let's be honest with DeAndre's case, not even that well, <laughs> aren't they a liability? Yeah, I mean... All right, then. Yeah. I I think, like, I wouldn't be unwilling... Like, Malcolm Brogdon is not a I'm-hanging-up-if-you-inquire-about-him type of player. Like, I would not be unwilling no, to that's move true. him. But I agree unless... If the Clippers were willing to take back Delhi, I think then it starts to get a little interesting because you can just get off of that contract. Mm-hmm. But I agree that it's not like a, a home run. I mean, I just, you know, that starting five would be preposterous. Uh-huh. Um, but, I, like, I kind of like what the Bucks have going right now. Like, we, we haven't talked about them. We will probably next episode. Should, yeah. Um, I mean, since since Bledsoe's come over, they've re- they've got something really interesting going. And having Brogdon come off the bench once Jabari comes back, you know, I'm assuming they're going to bring him off the bench at least at first. Like that might be a really well balanced top seven. So I don't know. You know, I think the Bledsoe thing was their move this year. I don't know if you want to rock the boat any more than that. Maybe you do. I don't know, but it's uh, a tricky one. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I I probably wouldn't. I I think they're they're playing so well already. I mean, they pasted the Blazers on Thursday, and the Blazers are mm-hmm. a pretty good team. Like, yeah, they you know Milwaukee looks good as is. I don't know that you need to continue shaking things up to that extent. Well. And and speaking about DeAndre specifically in terms of shaking a roster up by inquiring him, you know, there are 12 teams in the NBA this year that are averaging more than 33-point field goal attempts per night. Like, the league as a whole is averaging 28.9 shots from behind the arc per game. Hmm. DeAndre Jordan just does not fit into that picture anywhere if you want to win. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't play winning basketball anymore and have two guys in the starting lineup who play big minutes and who can't stretch the court. It's just not feasible. 
Yeah. He, look, even the Pelicans, De- DeMarcus Cousins is out there draining triples, <laughs> right. and Anthony Davis as well. I mean, he too can stretch, you know? There's yeah. just, I, I'm not seeing the market, but I know there's a fourth team, so go yep. ahead and mention the Raptors. Yep. Spoiler alert. So, yeah. you got to figure <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas, since they hate him, would be the centerpiece. <laughs> yeah. I want Jonas to get the hell out of Dodge. Like, yeah. So, yeah. you can't do it. You're, you're 150000 short if you just do Jonas and yeah. Bruno Caboclo. So, would you include, take your pick, Norman Powell... OG. No. No. Uh, Dylan Wright. Yeah, probably. Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, one of those two guys. Yeah. Wright, Van, Van Vliet, maybe. Like yeah. I, I think that that's probably the most interesting of the four in terms of like which mm. team would be most willing to do it not on the Clippers' end. Like, which of the four other teams would be, um, yeah, would be willing to try it. But, I I mean, do you want, like, it seems like they've been using Serge Ibaka more at the five. If you have DeAndre Jordan, that goes, you know, you put that back at the, the shed. Like, that's gone. Um, Is that a bad thing? That's I don't fair feel Serge Ibaka has really been all that good this year, or, you know, that may just be me, but he's not been worth the money that he's getting paid. Mm-hmm. This dude, is, and, and he's he's averaging less than 27 minutes a night, and he's primarily taking outside shots, just spotting up. I mean, I hope he steps up in the playoffs because he needs to show me something. Yeah, it's... I I feel like the Raptors, if only because of the age of their core, of Lowry, mm-hmm. of DeRozan, of Ibaka, acquiring Jordan is mostly a win-now move. Yeah. So if you can do it, see how far this gets you, you have the freedom after that, after this year, to cut bait on Jordan if you want to. Um, Lowry and Ibaka, I believe, would only be signed for two more years each after that, so you're not tied down, you know, forever in this core. I think there's something there. If I'm if I'm the Clippers, you know, I'm starting to look. I would, you know, I would I would first survey the other three teams because I would rather have the Brooklyn pick from Cleveland. I would rather have Ubre than anything. I would, you know, rather than have. Jonas, or um, I guess if the the Raptors were willing to include Norman Powell, I'd be interested. But like you know, Caboclo and DeLon Wright are not shaking things up for me to the extent that I'm really excited about trading one of my core pieces. Um, no, but just because it's your core piece doesn't mean it's a good core piece. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's just uh, I'm just gonna try a trade here. That that one failed because Jordan is earning too much. But that deal centered around. I'm going back to these guys, the Bulls. Mm-hmm. So Jordan to the Bulls for a package that involves Zach Levine and maybe Nikola Mirotic because you can get out of that deal immediately, almost like or Robin this Lopez. Year. 
Robin Lopez, something like that, and then the Clippers pick. Mm. I don't know. I'm not. I need you, to restructure this one in my head. A, that's interesting. You really don't want Zach Levine, huh? It's not. It's not that. I'm just. When I was I was doing a podcast last weekend um, over at Bulls HQ, and it wasn't really a Bulls podcast, but we started talking about the draft specifically. It was a draft oriented podcast, and I got it in my head because, you know, we were talking slightly about the Bulls in effect of this, and I started saying, you know what, if if this team was ever going to reel me back in, mm-hmm. getting a second lottery pick for the 2018 draft, yeah, that would probably be the the team's best chance because that would I, I would even give up like a future pick for it. I think this draft is so good, even especially in the top five, that if the Bulls won the lottery and mm-hmm. got like Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. I would give up virtually everything else. Outside mm-hmm. of the uh, outside of Doncic and Laurie Markkinen mm-hmm. for the second pick, so they can get DeAndre Ayton. And I don't care if by the end of draft night you only have three players on your roster. <laughs> if that's DeAndre Ayton, Laurie Markkinen, and Luka Doncic, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I, I was thinking, like, why would the Bulls trade Zach Levine? For a guy who was probably going to leave at the end of the year, I don't see why DeAndre Jordan would have any incentives to stay with the Bulls. But if you get the Clippers, oh yeah, pick, that's part of it. Yeah. Should, he should leave. They trading for him as an expiring Inspiring. deal. Yeah, he's not going to offer wins. I mean, nope. come on, look at that team. Right, the Bulls are they're condemned to mediocrity, no matter exactly. Who they and like, you, and then then you just play around. Like if you're Fred Hoiberg, you tell DeAndre, you know what? If you want to take a three, yeah, take two. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm going to sum it up just like I did with the Gasol stuff. Unlike with Gasol, both of us are firmly in the trade DeAndre Jordan for whatever you can get camp, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's weird. It's like, it's strange that both of these teams are kind of at this crossroads, but the fact that DeAndre is an expiring contract really factors in here. Also... You know, when they lost Chris Paul, that era of Clippers basketball died. Like, I know you've got Blake and DeAndre still, but this team, you know, we were hopeful. Mm -hmm. Like, they came out hot. They won their first four games, but look who they beat in retrospect. You know, they beat the Lakers, the Suns, the Jazz, the Portland on the road. It's impressive, but, like, they got absolutely pasted by the Warriors. I. I just don't think it's going to happen with this core, no matter what type of retooling you do. And it's it comes down to the same thing it did with Memphis. Like, you screwed up the draft for a decade. After mm-hmm. a while, like, if you're not replenishing your young talent pipeline, you're going to... It's going to bite you in the ass at some point. Like, I wrote... No, the, they don't have a young talent guy, uh, pipeline. They're just not using it. Like, yeah, again, right. I've mentioned this three times over the past few weeks. Wise Sam Decker, Montressel Harrell, Bryce Johnson not playing. Right. They finally got minutes on Thursday because everyone yeah. else is injured. But right. <laughs> until then, they had not gotten the minutes they should be playing. And that, I mean, that's. I wrote a thing about this whole decision on B ball breakdown. And the Clippers, even if they do trade Jordan, it's not like they, they have to do a Sixers thing, go through a whole you know, four-year tanking. Like, 
they have mm-hmm. more talent on their roster now than the Sixers did when they started. Like the Sixers had no choice because they traded for Andrew Bynum. It blew up. They lost a lot of assets. The Clippers have pissed away draft picks left and right over the past decade or so. Uh, Man, they are very similar to Memphis, huh? Yeah. I mean, it, it like this whole thing is just yeah. it, it, if you're going to build around the big three, you need to keep hitting on draft picks. And it's hard mm-hmm. because you're getting picks in the 20s or you're getting second round picks, but like. Look the Spurs at, are laughing right now. Yeah, but then look at the Warriors too. Like Jordan Bell is going to. <laughs> sorry to say his name, but. I loved it. I yeah. love what he's doing. I, <laughs> I love mean, it. That that just prolonged the chances of that franchise becoming a mm-hmm. dynasty. Absolutely. Like, just imagine in 1996, I believe it was 96, or no, ni- 95 actually, the Bulls passed over Michael Finley mm-hmm. to take Jason Caffey. <laughs> like, if that, they had hit on Michael Finley. Yeah. There's no telling. They, they, Jordan might have returned for the 99 season. We might be talking about seven rings instead of six. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like it, it goes to show that even when you have – like Miami had this problem too during their big three era. They mm. stopped valuing youth. They went to a bunch of 30-somethings. Those 30-somethings aged out. Miami had nothing to build around once. Shabazz Napier, man. <laughs> right. Who's actually playing well, as we mentioned last episode, but yeah, not in Miami. Um, you know, the Spurs are the rare organization where it doesn't matter who they pick or where they pick them. They just turn them into good NBA players. But again, Cleveland's going through this now. Like Kyle Korver is one of their big pieces. Like, what young talent on that roster? If LeBron G- James leaves next year, Kay Felder? Like, that's not... <laughs> Kay Felder's on the Bulls. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, who, like... The Cavs have very little to no young talent. So, I'm going to show my age once more in this podcast. Back when the Blazers were loaded, when they had Scottie Pippen, Rasheed Wallace... Arvita Sabonis, you know, all those guys, Steve Smith, mm-hmm. Damon Stoudemire. They also had Bonsai Wells mm-hmm. or Bonsi Wells. Mm-hmm. And their logic was let's all give Bonsi our strengths. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out, but he apparently became a hell of a lot better than he ever should have been because he was able to learn from these fantastic legends. Mm-hmm. I also, Deathless Shrimp was on there as well. Why have we not seen Cleveland specifically just find a guy who has all the physical tools? You can find that in the D League, and you can find someone who's young, like twenty, twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Bring him up, bring him up to the 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 top squad. Have him practice with LeBron. Have him practice with Dwayne Wade, Kyle Korver, whoever, and you just mold his ass. Yeah. In the image of all these guys, he may not become like you know the the rich man's version of every one of them, but he might become a decent rotation player who down the line could then become an asset. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it blows my mind that we're not seeing teams who are uh, veteran heavy go for like these low gamble youngsters and then just have them fucking stick to all the, the the great stars that they have on their teams. Mm -hmm. 
to just let them soak up every bit of knowledge and skill that they can add. Yeah. It's a fair point. I don't know. I don't know. No. Oh. Well, well, we're seeing it in we're seeing it somewhat in Philly now. Yeah. I mean, or are actually under under Hingy because <laughs> No, I mean, but I mean with Robert Covington, like yeah. no one nobody knew he would be this good. He didn't have obviously like a LeBron next to him. Right. But like there's there's a there's logic in gambling with young players. Right. Absolutely. And <laughs> Damn it, Morton! You just—you were trying to troll me into going on to my hinky rant now, weren't you? Oh. All right, so let's let's just address it right off the bat, uh, and, and we'll go into the. I'm open. just gonna unplug. I'm I'm gonna unplug for twenty minutes, <laughs> and I'm just gonna have myself a sandwich or something. Good. So this is gonna be about. We'll, we'll talk about Okafor in a second, but Adam Silver was on the. Washington Philly broadcast the other night um and they asked him just about the process in general he said they asked him if he trusts the process he was like well I don't know if I would use that term um but he also he praised the work that Brian Colangelo and the owners are doing without mentioning Sam Hinkie which is just I at this point this reference is probably going to be lost on you Mort because you do not watch the NFL uh, for good reason. But last year, the Patriots um, basically were at war with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell because he suspended Tom Brady for four games for his alleged involvement in a ball deflating case. Yeah, deflate gate. I know that about okay. that one, though. Yep. Yeah. Um, so when the Patriots won the Super Bowl at the end of the year, Roger Goodell had to go hand the trophy to their team owner, Robert Kraft, who just had this gigantic shit-eating grin on his face because he just knew how much it was killing Goodell inside to do that. So I, not only do I want the Sixers to win now just because it would validate Hinky, I want them to win now so Adam Silver has to hand the trophy over and Joel Embiid gets on the mic and shouts out Sam Hinky during the trophy celebration. I know it would kill Adam Silver inside. He is now... He is quickly moving up the list of enemies of the process just because of his power and the fact that he forced a Colangelo upon us. He almost declared war Wednesday night, but let's. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to fight you because I, I agree with you. Don't, don't get me wrong. That was just, it's weird not to give, you know, uh, credit where credit is due, mm-hmm. but shitting on, Silver specifically, after having come off a horrid David Stern final decade where the old man basically did everything wrong, and Silver is, by all accounts, a wonderful, fantastic human being who's mm-hmm. done more socially for the league. Yep. I'm willing to let this one slide, <laughs> Philly fan. That's that's fine. Yeah, I like him in general. I just... He should give credit. Like, Hinky took advantage of a shitty rule. And they the yep. NBA addressed that. They changed the lottery odds pretty much as a direct response to Hinky. But it was too I would late. Agree. It, like, Hinky took advantage. Hats him would have been nice. Yeah, right. Just just like, call it the Hinky rule. Call the new lottery yeah. odds the, the Hinky odds. The Hinky rule and just, like, tip your cap to Hinky and say, you, you bested me, sir, and yeah. now I changed the game for you. Right. Yeah. You took advantage yeah. of a perverse set of 
gifts that if if you lose, you're guaranteed to get a top five pick. Basically, right? You took advantage right. of that. Good for you. Um, yeah. We need, need let's just address this Okafor stuff because on Monday, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported in yet another story about what's happening with Okafor. Um, basically, which isn't a story, right? Like, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> it, it, that's that's what's killing me. Like, why do we care at this point? Like, I'm seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter about, like, how the Sixers are doing him wrong. And I don't disagree. Like, it sucks for him that he's not playing. But when mm-hmm. he does play, he's awful. And if he wasn't the number... Like, Mario Hazonia is in the same situation in Orlando right now. Where is the free Hazonia hashtags? Like, he was two picks behind Okafor. What's the, what's the difference? Um probably the lack of fan engagement yeah. they don't have a joel Embiid or a ben simmons to get excited about so right. i mean don't get me wrong aaron gordon is good but he's not those guys mm-hmm. and that's probably why you're not seeing like a, a whole lot of fan activity yeah. surrounding that team so Woj reported that the, mm-hmm. six, the sixers first were asking for two first round picks for okafor then a first and a solid player. Now all they want is a second round pick. That's like, if it just comes down to they're keeping him on the roster in case, I don't know, maybe a trade comes up between now and February where they can package his contract with Amir Johnson or Jared Bayless. You know, I, I've seen people out there floating. I think you floated this too, Mort. Like Okafor plus one of those guys for Nico once he's eligible to be traded on January fifteenth, yeah, I believe. Correct. So correct. like a month and two weeks. Yeah, there there are there are deadlines here, or I guess there are there are there are restrictions on when certain players can be traded. The first is December fifteenth for players who sign contracts with new teams, then players who sign contracts with their current teams, January fifteenth. The Sixers presumably are just keeping him around until those two deadlines to see what they can get for him. The thing that's driving me nuts, though, is like a lot of people are saying, like they're like praising Okafor. They're like, he came into camp 20 pounds lighter and in shape and healthy. He's a professional athlete. Like, is that implying that he was not in shape the first two years? And are we really praising this dude for the number three overall pick for getting in shape three years into his NBA career? I mean, we have a tendency to praise everyone even though they've done something bad in, in recent history. I mean, look, remember week, I don't know, week five or week seven or something like that of the Trump presidency and he went out and said something and everyone was like, oh, he sounds presidential now. Yeah, like, right, right. Every sin <laughs> right. he's ever committed was just forgotten because, oh my God, he actually made sense for two minutes on national television. Yeah. Um, so I get that line of thinking that, yeah, why why should we now appreciate the fact that Jill gives a damn? when he didn't for two years, especially concerning his body. Um, I will say this. It's a tough spot for both the team and Jalil because I get where both are coming from. The team is pretty upset that he did not show the same level of dedication, that he didn't really put his best effort forward. And now that he finally takes things serious, he's kind of burnt the bridge. That's just 
that's a bad situation, and it it just ben- it benefits nobody that he stays there. So I'm still gonna fault Philly for not moving him or mm-hmm. buying him out or doing something. I think it's ridiculous just to keep him on the roster, just for the off chance that you find a deal in February, you yeah. know, to package him. It's just don't do it like that because it also sends a bad message to agents and different players, and it's just, regardless of how. You know, regardless of the facts, a narrative will always drive player opinion. Mm-hmm. Let's just agree on that right off the bat. Narrative is everything for players. And if the narrative turns overwhelmingly negative in terms of Jalil, and players are like, free Jalil, yeah. which we've seen a little bit yeah. already, then it's going to hurt the Sixers in the long run. So it would just be strategically a wise move to just like call up somebody and say, "Hey, do you have a top fifty-five protected second rounder?" Right. Right. We do. Well, you want you a little looking for for that? You, I know you have an open roster spot. You know what? We will. Okay. Cool. Let's call the league office. Done deal. Yeah, I don't want to absolve Brian Colangelo here, and I, I hope I, I should have made that clear right off the bat mm. because you know they. They put him on a plane at the trade deadline last year and did not let him play with the team because they thought they had a deal in place. And it was apparently with Portland, and then Portland traded for Nurkic instead. But, Mm -hmm. like, they were on the precipice of a deal then. They should, like, if they were really asking for two first-round picks for him, that's ridiculous. Like, that's just overvaluing the ever-living hell out of him. You should have taken what you could have got for him at last year's trade deadline and just... You know, said good riddance. Like, yeah, we're taking right. 30 cents on the dollar. We're taking pennies on the dollar. I don't care. But the further you let this go, the worse his trade value was going to dip. Like, this was the inevitable oh, yeah. outcome. If you, I mean, you know, especially after you signed Amir Johnson, you have Rashawn Holmes still on the roster. There just weren't enough minutes for all of these big guys. You got Ben Simmons and Dario at the four. Like, it wasn't going to happen. So... It's like Colangelo should definitely be raked over the coals for his handling of the whole situation too. I'm just wondering, like, again, why we're like Okafor's in shape. Woo! Let's put on the party parrot. Like, who? Yeah, he's a professional goddamn athlete. I would hope he's in shape. That's that should not be a reason where we should like feel bad for the guy i feel bad for him because he got drafted into a situation where he couldn't succeed that sucks but the you know this is part of the nba is if you don't live up to expectations and teams aren't willing to give up enough for you you're gonna be stuck in purgatory for a few years he's gonna have a chance to revitalize his career after this year like it would have been much more screwed up if the Sixers picked up his option and then kept him on the bench for the next two years at least they did him right. a solid of letting him go after this year but you know it, right but they could have done more to you know find him a place yeah and while we're on that subject asking for two second rounders is just lunacy I <laughs> I don't think I've shared this on this podcast because it's just a, a strange little thing I have but it to me, it seems like when you trade for a first-round draft pick, it's as difficult to acquire a first-round draft pick as if you are a guy going into like a bar with the mindset of "I need to get laid." <laughs> so, 
if yeah. you're going to go for two draft picks, right. you're actually going into a bar saying, hey, I want a three-way. Yeah, right, 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 right. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Godspeed. If their expectations were really that high, that they deserve this whole mess. They deserve it. Um, all right, let's go into our crushes of the week. These are guys. Who... Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, wait. Can that just be your permanent crush from now on? Hmm? Is that just your permanent crush from now on? Oh, oh, it's my permanent. Okay. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not gonna, you know, stick Donovan there. If he has a very bad week, I'm not gonna select him. <laughs> he's been playing well. Look, he's he, he is going to be a star, and I want my damn credit. Yeah. We had Matt Moore sitting here telling me I was wrong, and I was right. I want my. I was gonna <laughs> say due process, but that's not right. That's for Trump. <laughs> I. Yeah, I want my, I, I want people to eat crow. Is what I'm saying. That's I mean, I will like I will happily credit you. You were you were driving the Donovan Mitchell bandwagon this summer. You said you know you mentioned him as your rookie of the year pick. Yeah, which I thought at the time was absurd. It is no longer absurd. He's playing that well. Like if I I said it on Twitter last night. Like thank God for Ben Simmons. Or otherwise, you would never let me hear the end of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's unbelievable. But yeah, kudos to Donovan. He is playing out of his mind. He's and, so good. Yeah, he's so good. Like, and d- people are still focused on his shooting percentages. Just remember, he had a rough start to the year. Like, right. he was really not shooting well, and it just took him a while. Like, oh my god, it takes rookies a while. <laughs> right. You guys, have you heard? It's right. a new thing. Yeah. Um, to get going and right now he's just doing everything i mean and his confidence level is just it's so high and that's that was one of the things that i looked at at louisville mm-hmm. back in the day i mean not just not to mention the long wingspan the athletic ability the the, the upper body strength and the ability to absorb contact contact it was just this complete and utter confidence ridden you know thing that he just had whenever he stepped on the court he was just like I'm going to own everybody today. Yeah, right. Oh, right. there's a seven-footer. I'm going to bang in his chest and dunk on his head at the same time. Yeah. like And, and that alley-oop he had oh, yeah, against the Clippers. It was so nasty, but it also, like, that's that's the perfect way to describe his thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, that that pass was so high. <laughs> yeah. He's 6'3", spinning off a defense. Like, and he still went up there, one-pawed it, and jammed it like it was nobody's business mm-hmm. i mean this dude is really going to be good and i am i i it makes me hate the bulls even more <laughs> for trading the 16th pick in the jimmy butler trade because at draft time i was sitting there going you know what when i heard of the the jimmy deal that the first the first uh, report that came out was not including the 16th pick mm-hmm and I was like, ah, okay, could have done better, but fine. Seventh pick and sixteen, you can do something with that. Mm-hmm. And then I started immediately going, yeah, you can do something about that because Donovan Mitchell might slip. Yeah. Oh, you can definitely do something with that. Could the Bulls actually pull this off? No, of course they couldn't. Not only did they give out sixteen, they also sold off Jordan Bell. <laughs> right. So that was, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Imagine being a Bulls night that night. That was 
I was not. Yeah. I was so sorry. But oh, God. But at least he landed in a place that actually respects development. Yeah, you should be happy. Like your boy is actually oh, I, in, a, in a place where he can he can thrive for a team that actually will matter oh, in the yeah. next half decade. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's can you imagine his sophomore season in the league? Yeah, I mean the Jazz it's it's a testament to the Jazz for you know, they they, they of course wanted Gordon Hayward to return this summer, mm-hmm. but like they contingency planned very well. Like having Donovan Mitchell and Rodney Hood as your one two punch in the wings, that's a yeah. pretty goddamn good plan B. I, I just really dig what he is doing. Like I think people really got into the whole height thing. Yeah. I know you guys you and Sarah were laughing at me when I mentioned oh, that you exactly. should measure of shoulder height. <laughs> yeah, no, not yeah, shoulder height, but I still think it's a completely valid point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I really do. Wingspan definitely matters. Like there's no yeah. question about that. I don't care about six three. Yeah. Six four. Who the hell cares? Right. Doesn't matter. If you you could have a tall head, it could affect your raw listing. Doesn't matter. <laughs> look at look at wingspan. Look at look at you know jumping ability. Look at three point field goal percentage. I mean, yeah, yeah. But I'm looking forward to your crush because I know who it is. You yeah. alluded to it earlier, I did. and I'm all in on this one. Yeah, I am all in. Uh, Kelly Oubre, as we mentioned yeah. earlier. I mean, as you said, more like he could be the fourth part of Washington's big four. Like, he is showing that type of development in his third year. He showed flashes of it last year, even. But now he's really taking over as basically, like, the the commander of that second unit. And that's what, you know, watching that Wizards game against the Sixers the other night, which I refuse to talk about because of the free throw debacle it turned into. But Ubre is just an absolute monster. He had a career-high 22 points that night, seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, a block, and a three in just under 29 minutes. But if I'm a Wizards fan coming out of that game, like that should have been a schedule loss. It's the second night of a back-to-back. Beal got elbowed in the face in the first half, and he missed the rest of the first half. John Wall's mm-hmm. out for two weeks. Like Everything went against them. But Oubre and Jody Meeks played so well off the bench, and then they turned it... You know, then they started hack a benning midway through the fourth quarter and cut the lead down significantly. Like the the Wizards lost in the the conference semifinals last year in large part because their bench just sucked. They didn't have anyone. Yeah. Wall and Beal ran out of steam in Game Seven, and that was that. This year they've got the same starting five, but now Ubre's playing well. Jody Meeks is you know he's he's spotty, but he can play well. Tim Frazier is now their starting point guard until Wall comes back. When but when he when Wall comes back, he'll shift to the bench. The Wizards, like I feel like both the Raptors and the Wizards are kind of flying under the radar so far this year, just because they're doing what was expected of them. No one, yeah. you know, everyone kind of figured they'd just be in that top four of the East. Uh, both are like right in that mix. I know Washington's a little further off that pace for now, but like the East standings are so clustered at this point. Like Washington's eighth right now, but they're two and a half games off of fourth. They'll they'll bounce back. Um, I mean, they're only a game behind the Sixers, and the Sixers are fifth. So, like, I think both of them are flying under the radar for that reason. But 
I don't know. Like, I think my, my whole takeaway from the first quarter of the season so far is, like, we thought the East playoffs were going to suck. They're going to be really fun. If, if the current standings hold, or even if the Knicks can push the Pacers out, especially if the Knicks can push the Pacers out, we get Kristaps in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Could you imagine, like, a Wizards-Raptors first-round series or a Bucks-Cavs first-round series? Oh, Bucks-Cavs. Yeah. Or like, I don't care. Yes. You could... It doesn't even matter. Like, just put any two teams together, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a fun series. Like, Joel Embiid against anyone. Joel Embiid against Boston. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be very fun. And, 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 he would average 15 rebounds. And, like, the Cavs, I'm glad... To, we, we had that episode a couple weeks ago where we asked, like, you know, is it time to panic over the Cavs? And both of us said no. It this always happens. You know, there's always a two-week lull mm-hmm. where... Everyone panics because they don't play as well as they're supposed to. Now the Cavs have won 10 straight, just proving right that no one should have panicked while they were, you know, while they started slow. But I'm still nervous about the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's still the East is more open than it's been in a couple years. Um, yeah. But, like, I'm, I'm just really excited because I think there are honestly four or five teams that could make it out of the East. And I, I would put Washington mm-hmm. in that mix in large part because we know Wall, Beal, Porter are good. Gortat and Markeith Morris are good role players in that starting lineup. If the Wizards bench led by Ubre, Meeks, Frazier, if those guys get going, I, they can make it a series out against anyone, I think. They're not scared of Cleveland or Boston. We know that much. So yeah. kudos to Kelly Ubre for taking that big step forward. Being... <laughs> Being untradeable in more ties, at least for DeAndre Jordan. Um, yeah. Look, there are a lot of guys who are untradeable if, if the <laughs> yeah. return is DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, that's true. All right, so that will do it for today's episode of the NBA Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles to so give us a follow as well. We're also being hosted on iTunes, so check us out there. Subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork and I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.